very hot. I'm about half spaced out right now from jet lag. Those of you that haven't been overseas don't, you know, you hear about it, but you, you've never experienced it. Like, you know, uh, right now it's 12.30 a.m. over there. So it's the middle of the night. But praise God, God gave us a safe journey back. And uh, we're here. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of your smiling faces again. So uh, let's get into God's Word now. Who is your first love? It's a question for all of us. Okay? We'll talk about that. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 38 through 42. Or you can read it off of the uh, <clears throat> slide up there on the screen. Now it happened as they, that is Jesus and his disciples, went that Jesus entered a certain village named Bethany. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him, she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Father, as we come before you, Lord, and ponder this question about who is our first love, pray, Lord, that we would not be like the church at Ephesus, Lord, and lose our first love which divided <coughs> Uh, belongs solely to you. And uh, Lord, help us to consider and ponder the things that uh, you've shared with me and I share too with uh, your people. So I pray that you'd uh, visit us and really speak to our hearts, Lord, regarding this topic. And I thank you for being with us now, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today is Communion Sunday. Uh, we once again celebrate the Lord's death on the cross for our, our sins. And I'm keeping with my policy that I started a, a, a few communion Sundays ago of giving you more scriptures dealing with the uh, uh, crucifixion, that is, uh, death to ourselves, uh, than just uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11 gives kind of the order for the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and in doing this, I call your attention to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, this should be a familiar passage to you because I've uh, 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 quoted to you many times before. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, Paul tells us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 may be a startling uh, passage of Scripture to us. You know, we're enjoined to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. And our first reaction might be, who? Me? My body? But this is not talking about a literal sacrifice of your physical body, your, your flesh. Instead, it's talking about a sacrifice of our carnal nature. That is, doing what pleases our fleshly desires. What pleases that self-will. 
The problem is we don't do just this uh, just one time only, but it's a constant submission to God, living a crucified life. The word here in the original Greek is in the present tense, which denotes a continuous action. Literally, it says, keep on presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that squares with what Jesus said about picking up our cross on a daily basis. That cross represents the crucifixion of that carnal nature. But it's only natural for us to want to take that back that sacrifice due to our own self-will. Our deepest desires as humans is to please ourselves rather than pleasing God. Someone once said that the problem with presenting living sacrifices is that living sacrifice keeps wanting to roll off the altar and going, going off and doing its own thing. You know, doing whatever it wants. That's our natural inclination. And that starts the, na uh, the day that we are born. You know, uh, the, the natural comes first to us and then spiritual. Paul wrote in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, However, the spiritual is not first but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. We come into this world, we're all only concerned uh, about our uh, earthly needs. And it's only after, you know, as we grow and mature that we become more aware of spiritual things and desire spiritual things. Also, First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, you know, the vast majority of the people in this world just live in that uh, natural realm, that physical realm. And, you know, you talk to them about Jesus, many times they just don't understand because it's up to the Spirit of God to reveal to him or her the spiritual nature that we have. Now, remember the purpose of Holy Communion. The purpose of Holy Communion is twofold. Number one, it is to remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You know, he said, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show or discern the Lord's body until he returns. And second of all, it's for self-examination. We need to examine ourselves every time before communion to reveal and ask the Lord to reveal hidden sin within our hearts so that we can partake of the elements in a worthy manner. Now my theme for today's communion meditation is making the effort to seek God in an intimate way. Because as I see it, the best way to crucify these fleshly inclinations that is the living sacrifice of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is to receive the love of God daily by getting quiet before the Lord. And that takes effort on our part. During my own prayer times, I often find it very hard to concentrate on the Lord in this way. Because so many things are going on in my life that seem to crowd out the Lord. So many times, I, I, one of the things that crowds me out is thinking about uh, what the next message that I'm going to uh, preach. But God wants us to focus in on Him. So I often find it very difficult to feel His presence. And as a result of that, I felt myself drawn to this passage of Scripture that I uh, just read to you. The story of Mary and her sister, sister Martha. Now, who are Mary and Martha? This passage, is, again, is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Mary and Martha were two sisters who lived in a little town called Bethany, 
It was located very close to Jerusalem, only about a, uh, uh, a half an hour's walk, about two miles from ancient Jerusalem. They're mentioned only in only two places in Scripture, here and also John chapter 11 through the beginning of chapter 12. And that particular passage, John chapter 11, deals with their brother Lazarus, who died of some unrecorded sickness, and then Jesus came to him, and he'd been dead for four days. But Jesus raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. He gave his great quote, his I am quote, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes in me shall never, never die. If you're here and you're born again, you have eternal life. That eternal life didn't, doesn't start the moment you die. The, the eternal life begins the moment you become a Christian, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and you receive a new nature. Later on, in the beginning there in chapter 12, you have the story where Mary broke a jar of precious perfume. This might have been the perfume that was reserved for her for her wedding day, her wedding evening. But her devotion to the Lord was so great that she sacrificed that and poured it out on his feet and smeared it into his hair. The fragrance of that perfume followed Jesus for the rest of uh, his time during Holy Week. Now what's notable is the difference between the two sisters, Mary and Martha, regarding their relationship to Jesus. On the one hand, you have Martha. Martha is a real go-getter. She really wants to go out and serve the Lord. So she's probably undoubtedly in this passage in Luke chapter 10, preparing a meal for the Lord and for his disciples. She wants to serve him a big meal and she spends a lot of time and effort in the preparations of it. But now Mary, on the other hand, doesn't seem to have much interest in these preparations. On the contrary, she just wants to sit at the feet of Jesus and hang on his every word. So Martha gets exasperated at this scenario. And she lashes out, but not at Mary, but at Jesus. He probably, she probably first lashed out at Mary too, though it doesn't say that. You know, uh, she lashes out at Jesus. How can you, Jesus, how can you permit her to make me do all of this serving, you know? I'm working and slaving away in the kitchen, and she's just out there in the sitting room, uh, you know, listening to you. But Jesus, in turn, gives her a mild rebuke at her attitude and stresses the importance of doing what, just what Mary is doing. You know, I can just hear her talking to her and just saying in, in a very gentle way, you know, Martha, Martha. You are worried and concerned about many things. So, Mary did that just that very thing, just sitting at his feet, listening to him speak. And the personal application, brothers and sisters, is too often we're distracted by the worries and cares of this world and allow them to keep us from listening to Jesus' word for our lives. These worries and cares of this world crowd out Jesus from our lives. And brothers and sisters, this is not right. The danger of this is found in Jesus' parable to, of the uh, sower. Matthew chapter 13, verse 7. It says, speaking of the seed, some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
And ver the, the uh, translation of what that uh, illustration means is found in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 13. He that receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. Remember the story of the parable of the sower. Sower goes out and spreads the seed. Some of it falls along the path, the hard ground. Doesn't take root. And it says the birds of the air or who represent the wicked one steal the seed away. And that person never receives it. Then you have it on the rocky ground. Very shallow. Doesn't have much root. And Jesus said that that represents the person that uh, has a heart that receives it with gladness, but it has no root. And when the, worry, when the uh, uh, persecution, trials, and tribulations, you know, the uh, uh, plants try to grow up, but they wither and die. And then you have the uh, seed among the thorns, which I've just talked about. And finally, the seed that falls on good soil, and it sprouts up and bears fruit. So, the seed is the word of God, and the ground is the condition of the heart of everyone who receives it. And too often, we become like the ground, the thorny ground, where the worries and cares of this world uh, choke out the world, and word, and it becomes unfruitful. Notice that the, uh, the word, the uh, uh, seed still sprouts up and doesn't die, but it becomes unfruitful. Jesus said that apart from me, you can do nothing. So you have to be plugged in to Jesus before you're going to bear fruit in your life. The everyday cares and worries become so important to us that we forget spiritual things. Most of all, we forget our relationship with the Lord. And it can even happen to us when we are busy serving the Lord, as was with Martha here. Consider also Jesus' rebuke to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. Three verses of commendation that Jesus says. You guys are doing the right thing. But then it all turns in verse 4. Nevertheless I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. And do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. You've left your first love. That's all he says. This is what's at fault in your church. You've left your first love. And far from the gentle rebuke that Jesus gave to Martha, this is much more harsh and it's accompanied by a stern warning at the end. <clears throat> Remember, therefore, from which you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand, that is, I'm going to remove your church from its place. The church at Ephesus. They were doing everything right, but they were still rebuked by the Lord because they had left their first love. Now, why is this important? 
I was reading uh, Jim Dennison in one of his uh, email newsletters that I get every uh, day. And he wrote in one of his newsletters this. Doctrines and instructions that do not lead people to know and imitate Jesus personally will never change the culture. That's because the culture changes when people change. And people are changed not by our words, but by God's Spirit. Now that describes America today. You wonder why things have gone downhill so rapidly? Because the church here in America has left its first love. We need to turn back to our first love here in America. And that's the only way we're going to get back to the things that really made this country great. And too many of us come here and we, quote, play church. And then we go and neglect what Jim Dennis says. We do not know and imitate Jesus. And that's the whole point of being a Christian, brothers and sisters. It's not to get fire insurance. That is, save us from hell. That's a big part of it, but it's not the only thing. The thing is that we are to know God and Jesus Christ. John 17, verse 5. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, I, I've told you many times about discussions that I've had with this group called the Church of Christ. Church of Christ says, well, you've got to be baptized, and you've got to join the right church. We're the only ones. You've got to join us. We're the only one. And then you talk to them further, and you talk to them about knowing God, and they'll say, I don't, I don't know. I think you can know God. Well, if you don't know God, brothers and sisters, then you don't have eternal life. Jesus said that. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. We are to know Jesus Christ intimately in a personal relationship and imitate his example. That's the big part of being a Christian now in this life. Sure, we're going to join him one day beyond the grave. But in this life, we're to strive to know him and to imitate him. So, we're to be new creations. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what baptism is all about. We're going to have baptism here in three weeks. Baptism is to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore you are buried with him by baptism unto death. That's why sprinkling is not a true baptism. Pouring is not a true baptism. You have to be baptized by immersion. Because a baptism is supposed to be a burial. The old self is dead and buried away, and then you come up out of the water symbolizing that you are to walk with Jesus in newness of life. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to reconcile People in the world were to lead them to Christ and reconcile them to God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. That is verse 19 of 2 Corinthians chapter 
5. That, in, that is that Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. God pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So according to that, we're ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? Well, Dolly and I were just over there in uh, Thailand. And there in Thailand, off of a road in Bangkok called Wireless Road, is the American Embassy. We've been there many times. And the American Embassy handles a lot of different uh, things, like uh, when Dolly first went to get her visa to, uh, that is, permission of the United States to come and enter our country here, we had to go there. But that's also where the ambassador lives. Who's the ambassador? The ambassador is the United States representative to that little kingdom, that little country of Thailand. And he speaks to the Thai people, to the Thai diplomats, about what represents our country to them, and listens to them if they have any grievances against us. So he's a go-between. He's a mediator. A mediator between the U.S. and Thailand. He's a representative. And we're to be God's representatives here on earth. We're to be his ambassadors. We are to mediate in the fact that we speak to the people, unsaved people, saved and unsaved people, we speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. But we are, in effect, little mediators in this respect, too. Again, uh, from uh, what uh, Jim Dennison was saying. Early images made by Christians show Jesus as a shepherd and healer. Not until the 4th century do we find images of him ruling in authority. This is not because his earliest followers knew God to be anything less than a king of kings and lord of lords. Cross-reference Revelation chapter 19 verse 16. But rather their depictions call us to serve our king by serving others. Now this is key here. The more we love Jesus, the more we will love those who he loves. And he loves everyone. And you cannot love as Jesus loved unless you first receive his love in, love in your personal life. Remember, it's like uh, what Paul says. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my, in my carnal nature, dwells no good thing. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. So the love of Christ must come from outside you. It must come from Jesus himself. It can only come from God. Only when you receive that love into your life can you truly love as he loved. It won't come from you in your fleshly nature. And once you understand this, you understand another one of the Lord's teachings on prayer. It becomes clear. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the purpose for entering 
the secret place of prayer. And by the way, that's an important, you know, it says in Psalm 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then you have those great and precious promises in the rest of Psalm 91 that apply to you, but it only applies to, first of all, the one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. <clears throat> but Jesus said, when you go into your room and you shut your door, pray to your Father in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the purpose for entering that secret place of prayer, the prayer closet, if you will, you shut the door, you enter, you shut the door. It's not just because of what uh, Jesus said earlier in verse 5 in uh, Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray openly in public places so that they will be seen of men. That's a big part of the reason why you go into your secret prayer closet. But it's also you go into that prayer closet and what do you do? You shut out the rest of the world with all of its distractions. And you get alone in there and you listen for the Lord's voice. But do you see the last phrase there? Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now this is not just talking about the rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to talk more about the judgment seat of Christ at a later date. Because it's important for all of us to understand, you know, we're not going to be judged for our sin if we're born again. But we are going to be judged according to our works, the things that we have produced. Amen. And it's not whether we're going to be saved and spend eternity with God or not. It's going to be about what rewards we are going to enjoy there while we're in the heavenly Jerusalem. He says we reward us openly. We'll get rewarded openly there at the judgment seat of Christ. But there's also the rewards in this present life. Because when you go into that secret place of prayer, get quiet before the Lord, and let Him speak to your heart, it's going to change and transform your life. And people are going to look at you and see that you are different. And by that, you will bear forth more fruit. You know, um, I got serious for the Lord. I've been saved when I was eight years old at a uh, uh, Baptist church. But for about the first 15 years of my Christian walk, I was not close to him. Then I got serious for things when I got to be the age of uh, 23. And I remember that Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 was one of the first verses that I memorized. Hebrews 11 uh, verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek Him. I've been uh, focusing more on that one ver uh, word right there. Diligently. Everybody say diligently. You need to diligently seek God. Diligently implies effort. You throw your heart and soul into it. Think about that. Now, how do we obtain this relationship, this close personal relationship? To obtain this close personal relationship with Jesus, it takes three elements, as I see it. Number one, it takes commitment. 
You decide once and for all you are going to seek the Lord. How? How are you going to seek the Lord? Diligently. You're going to diligently seek God every day. And no matter what happens, you will follow through with this commitment. That's the commitment you need to make. I am going to diligently seek God every day. Number two, it takes discipline. Discipline grows out of this commitment. It's just like an athlete who follows an exercise regimen. So we also need to follow this regimen. A runner needs to get out there and run and run and run. Football player needs to do the same thing, but he also goes into weight training, watches his diet, disciplines himself to do what it takes to obtain excellence in athletics. We're to run your race every day. And number three, it takes concentration when you're in the secret place of prayer. Don't let your mind wander with the worries and cares of this world, but fix your mind upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the uh, witnesses in the Hall of Faith chapter, chapter 11, just before this particular passage. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So fix your mind on Jesus when you're in the secret place of prayer. You know, one of the things that I have discovered that helps me concentrate on Jesus is just to, you know, sit there or kneel there or whatever posture you're in and just say the name of Jesus over and over again. You know, I know that the Lord says not to use vain repetitions, but this is different. You call upon the name of Jesus. Call him into your presence and feel his presence. You say it to yourself over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I find that that helps me anyway. So to summarize what I'm saying here. I think that this is God's word to me. And really, to all of us, Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Now substitute your name there. Cliff, Cliff. Sarah, Sarah. Susie, Susie. Tony, Tony. Sean, Sean. You are worried and troubled about many things. But only one thing is needed. And Mary, as our example, has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. What does Jesus mean here? One thing is needed. Now, obviously, we can't spend our whole day praying and meditating. Some of us can. But many of us, most of us have to get out there and work and be about our daily tasks. But what does Jesus mean? What he means is we have to learn to make the Lord the first priority in our daily lives. And when we first wake up every day, discipline ourselves to fixate upon the Lord before anything else. When I was first in Thailand, it was back in uh, uh, 1973 and 74. 
And we had this beach. It was only about maybe uh, 25 miles away from the base that I was stationed at. Padilla Beach. It was a little fishing village back then. Now it's a big, huge resort city because there's some offshore islands there. And you can do what they, they call snorkeling. When you snorkel, you swim on the surface and look down, you know, with your uh, mask and everything. You've got your snorkel uh, jetting out there. And you see something down there you find interesting. And it's incredibly beautiful, brothers and sisters. And so I'd be swimming on the surface, and then I'd take a dive down there, go about 10 feet down. You don't, you, it's hard to go any deeper than uh, 10 feet because it, the water will uh, hurt your ears. And I liken this. You remember I was telling you that if you follow what Paul says, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about a deeper life. Uh, you know, deeper walk. And I, I liken the uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, to just swimming on the surface. But then you want to dive deeper. You want to get deeper into this relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'd go down about 10 feet. They say that uh, pearl divers can go down about 100 feet, free to, uh, dive, you know, and they would dive down there and uh, harvest some uh, oysters and bring them up. Hopefully they'd find some pearls. But that's kind of about the maximum that we can do free diving. And so there's certain people that have, uh, you know, given, uh, uh, who have uh, dived much deeper than what I have. And I'm still just getting into this, brothers and sisters. I've got a confession to make. You know, God is trying to, to carry me deeper and deeper. But I feel like I'm still in just kindergarten. You know, no, I don't remember anybody ever telling me this when I was growing up. Even though I've, you know, gone to countless sermons, heard countless teachers, teachings over the years. I don't remember anybody ever telling me these things. These are just th things that I'm discovering on my own. And my task as your pastor is to bring you into that deeper walk. That's what I want uh, to see of each one of you. But nobody really dives down, you know, the vast ocean you know, the deepest part of the ocean is the Challenger debt off the coast of the Philippines. You know how deep it is there? 36,000 feet. And the only people that have ever been down there have gone down in these bathospheres, you know, things with these huge, thick walls. And if those walls ever uh, failed, you know, it would instantly crush the... Uh, person there. I mean, it, it would happen and just like that. They would uh, go on to their eternal reward, whatever that is. So there's depths of the, the Lord that we can't penetrate. Just like when I, I talked about uh, to you before, the Shekinah glory. You know, we can't handle the Shekinah glory. It's kind of the same type of thing. But we can try to dive deeper and deeper in our relationship with God. And that's what I'm trying to drive at today. You know, as we distribute the elements, I'd like for uh, uh, Sarah and uh, for Freddie to come up here. And we'll be distributing the elements here. And we should be examining ourselves as they're distributing them. So... I'd like to, us to think about this. And where are you? I'd ask you that question. Where are you in your Christian walk now, brothers and sisters? Are you where you want to be? Do you know Jesus the way you want to know him? The way you need to know him?
Sometimes our needs and our wants are not one and the same. But when it comes to spiritual things, they should be one and the same. So come on up here if you would. Uh, I want you to cue up that uh, song on the desktop, uh, Randy. And it's a communion song, and I've chosen this. It's called Lord of Lords. And the third verse on there, it says, Spirit now living and dwelling within me, keep my eyes fixed ever on Jesus' face. Let not the things of this world ever sway me. I'll run till I finish the race. Watch for that verse now. He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do often as you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim or declare the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you for the cup which represents your blood, specifically the new covenant in your blood, Lord. Lord, your word says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Lord, your blood was shed there on that cross for the remission of our sins. And Lord, it says that you went into the holy place in heaven itself and offered your own blood, Lord, on behalf of us. And Lord, we don't know exactly what that means, but Lord God, we take you at your word. That, Lord, the, our, your blood has been offered in the most holy place there in heaven itself, Lord, for our sins. And the new covenant inaugurated because of that. As we partake of this cup, Lord God, we do this in remembrance of you. In remembering what you did there on the cross for us. Okay, everybody drink of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for what you did there on the cross, Lord. And Lord, we need to be reminded of your death, Lord. Death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. And Lord, uh, pray in Jesus' name that... Uh, you to help us to carry this message with us, Lord, this communion meditation. And Lord, seek to uh, diligently seek you each and every day, Lord. That you will change and transform us with the, the, by the power of your love as we receive it, Lord. And then use it, Lord God, to change and transform other people too, Lord, by our witness. We thank you for this. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, hallelujah. Okay, let's go to the uh, Lord in prayer. But uh, it's good to see Tony. Tony uh, was sick when I left. I wish I had time to get over there to St. George to see him, but we were uh, just about ready to leave. So, uh, feeling better now, Tony? Okay, hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, prayer request? Yeah, Dwayne is our uh, neighbor right over here. Yeah, really nice guy. I talked to him many times, you know, while I'm out there doing weeding in the uh, churchyard. Speaking of weeding, looks like we need to do a little bit. So, yeah, okay. Ethan? How you doing, Ethan? So-so? Ethan and Pam? 
Trevi? Okay, yeah, Pastor Sandra was kind of uh, treading a little bit lightly today. Her uh, foot was uh, hurting her. Okay, other prayer requests? Yes, Sean? I have a friend, Ron, who was in a motorcycle accident. He's having a real hard time healing. And he's also, he's been laid off, so now he's got medical bills he can't pay. And it's just financially, he's a wreck. He's also stuck over in the Philippines, trying to get back to America. Hmm. Okay. John. Okay, John. And uh, Jackie too. Yeah. How's Jackie doing now, uh, Randy? She's what? She had to go to the hospital, but she's home again now. Oh, she's home again? Okay. So pray for her. Both of these uh, individuals suffered uh, debilitating strokes. So keep praying for them. Okay, other prayer requests? Okay, we've got our nation. Nation revival. Leaders. And uh, intercessors. Okay, Ukraine. Yeah, it's just the whole nation has just been uh, completely upended with this war. They were saying uh, at the outset of the war that maybe 50,000 civilians could be killed in the war, and I think that's really quite low. There's probably a lot more people that have been killed, and their lives are all upended too. Okay, Th Thailand and Israel. Yeah. Jewel would like us to pray for the lake, like Powell and the buffer zone, because it's not going to be too long until they have to shut the dam down. Mm -hmm. we're, we're in the buffer zone. Okay, well, that's comes under the heading of rain, which we probably got about maybe, I'm guessing maybe three or four inches of rain there in Thailand just while we were there. I sure wish, huh? You didn't bring that back. I didn't bring it back. It wouldn't follow me. Yeah, I wish I could have sent it your way, but uh, unfortunately that's not the way things work. Yeah, so we... We got a substantial amount of rain. In fact, I was afraid it was going to start flooding, but uh, not. It wasn't too bad. The thing about da Bangkok is it's only a few feet above uh, sea level, so you know when it rains, they can get some really horrendous floods over there. But and and the thing is, it's not even the rainy season over there. Rainy season doesn't even start until uh, June. So, it's supposed to be the dry season right now, but we still got a lot of rain. Okay, so uh, uh, pray for rain. And it not only affects us here in Fredonia, but as uh, Sean was just indicating, it's all throughout the Southwest. Last time... That's Julesboro. Okay, well that's good. We need to pray for it. 
You know, Dolly and I went to Page the other, uh, well, it was maybe about a month and a half ago, something like that. Can't remember. But anyway, there's a uh, turnout that we like to uh, go to that gives you a really spectacular view of uh, Lake Powell. And I just couldn't believe how low the water looked over there. Okay, so pray for the rain. Um, any other prayer requests? Okay, so we always pray for our family and friends, saved and unsaved, and uh, unspoken request. Who's got an unspoken request? Okay. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us the vehicle to communicate uh, with you, Lord, through uh, prayer. And uh, Lord, uh, pray that you'd help us to take to heart what I've been preaching at today, Lord, and not just uh, making our requests be made known, but also, Lord, to learn to get quiet before you, Lord, and receive your love and allow you to speak to our hearts. Lord, we lift up to you, uh, uh, Dwayne. Lord, uh, uh, he's a really nice fellow, Lord. I've had a lot of good conversations with him. Lord, he's been having problems with his back, Lord. So we pray that you'd bring healing to that. And also, Lord, I pray for his spiritual well-being, Lord, and help him. Lord, if he doesn't know you, to find you, Lord, uh, pray that you give uh, Susie or or me or someone else, Lord, the freedom to speak to him about his spiritual well-being, Lord, that uh, he might be saved, Lord, and his uh, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Lord. Pray for Ethan and uh, Pam and Trevi, Lord. They're all having uh, digestive problems of uh, some sort or another. Lord, for Ethan, Lord, and uh, Trevi, Lord, with the thyroid problem that they have, Lord, I pray that they, you might heal them, Lord, uh, from this, Lord. Lord, it's good to see all three of them here today, feeling well enough to attend church, Lord, and pray that you'd uh, visit them, Lord, in uh, uh, power, Lord God, and strengthen their mortal bodies, Lord God. Lord, I pray for Pastor Sandra, Lord. She was hobbling around in a with her foot giving her problems today, Lord. So I pray for healing there. Lord, she's suffered so much, Lord, but I thank you that you've given her the grace to uh, put up with it, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray for what you're teaching her through this physical pain, Lord, that uh, uh, she would draw close to you, Lord. And Lord, when we undergo problems like this, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that uh, you would uh, give us the right heart, Lord, heart to turn to you, Lord God, and uh, seek your face, Lord, and uh, trust in you fully, Lord, that you know what you're doing, even in the midst of our suffering. Lord, we pray for Sean's friend, Ron, Lord, who's been in this motorcycle accident and also, Lord, been laid off from his job and also stranded there in the Philippines, Lord. Pray, Lord God, that uh, he might see a breakthrough, Lord, through all these uh, problems. Heal his body, Lord, and uh, uh, Lord, uh, we don't know what his situation is in terms of returning here. <clears throat> Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would take care of his financial situation too. Lord, we pray for John and Jackie, Lord, who suffered these debilitating uh, strokes, Lord. I pray that you'd raise them up, Lord. And I pray for their spiritual well-being, too, that uh, they might uh, be right with you, Lord God, and uh, use these strokes again, Lord, to draw them close to you. Lord, let that, not them uh, respond with uh, a bitter spirit, Lord God, but uh, help them to become better people and not bitter people through them. Pray for our nation, Lord. We pray for uh, revival. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, this nation would uh, again return to uh, her first love. 
Lord, we know that this is uh, the reason why we've just strayed so far down, Lord. And uh, it seems like uh, the devil's voice is just prevailing so much, Lord God, with this recent law that was passed in Florida, Lord, uh, and allowing parents to have more of a say-so in what their children are being taught, Lord, particularly this... uh, complete and other garbage that is straight from the pits of hell, Lord God, teaching them about gender and uh, sexuality, Lord God, even at that tender age, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would forgive us, Lord, for allowing things like this, Lord, and the lives of the enemy, Lord, that have just uh, uh, been so much in the news, Lord God, about this supposedly don't say gay law, Lord God, which is a a complete and total fabrication, Lord. But Lord, it's all these squeaky wheels that are trying to get the grease right now. And Lord, we've got wholesome family-oriented organizations like Disney, Lord, or they once were, Lord, but they've strayed so far from the uh, path, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd put a stop to this, Lord God. Help the uh, uh, people there at Disney, Lord God, to uh, turn back again to you. Lord, we pray for our leaders. I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would uh, convict them of righteousness, Lord God. Help, Lord, the president, the vice president, the speaker of the house, and the other leaders of this nation, Lord, to uh, be convicted of righteousness, Lord, to, so that they would know what is, uh, what are the righteous things to, uh, uh, the righteous decisions that need to be made. And, Lord, if they refuse to uh, repent of uh, their sin, Lord, I pray that they would be removed, Lord, maybe in this next uh, election that's coming up, Lord God, the... Uh, the midterm election. Lord, I pray for intercessors to be raised up, Lord God, that uh, would stand in the gap, Lord God, so that your hand of judgment would not fall upon us. Lord, it's already falling upon us, Lord, but I pray that it would, uh, uh, your hand would be stayed of judgment, uh, would be stayed, Lord, before it becomes irreversible. Lord, we pray for the people there in Ukraine, Lord, that are going through the fire right now. And, Lord, help them to be seeking you, Lord God. And, Lord, they have a lot of religion over there. I believe that they're mostly Eastern Orthodox and uh, uh, Catholic, Lord God. But, uh, Lord God, if uh, uh, they don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would know you through the things that, uh, uh, the upheaval that their country is going through right now, Lord. Help them to turn to you, Lord God, and not feel lost. Lord, I pray for Thailand, Lord. I pray that you just work in the political situation there, too. Pray that your the uh, COVID virus, Lord, would be stayed. And, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help them to get back to, uh, uh, get back to you, Lord. Uh, the Christians that are in that nation, Lord, would be, serve as a guiding light, Lord God said that we are to be the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And so, Lord, I pray that the uh, Christians there would be the shining light to the Thai people, Lord God. Let them not lean to their king or their government or, uh, uh, Lord God, these other things, Lord, their religion. But, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would... uh, Uh, reach out and find those hungry hearts, Lord, the desire of you. Lord, I also pray for Israel, Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would bring judgment upon any nation that threatens your your people there in Israel, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that they might find you, Lord, and to be saved, Lord. And, uh, uh, Lord, I, I pray... Also, Lord God, that you would, your hand of protection would reign supreme there in Israel, Lord. Pray for rain, Lord, for this whole southwest region, not just for Donia and Kanab, Lord, but the entire southwest. Lord, as you know that uh, 
the whole southwestern area, Lord, has just been suffering for, uh, from drought, Lord, for 20 years now. And Lord, the reservoirs are so low. I pray in Jesus' name that you had just given us abundance of rain. And uh, uh, Lord, it's a little late for snow in th this year. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that those uh, reservoirs might be filled up, Lord. Hallelujah. They looked at this, they were in such awe and wonder, and they realized that it was through Peter that the man, uh, was, the lame man had been healed. And it says in verse 12 of uh, Acts chapter 3, So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He said, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power and godliness, we have made this man walk. In other words, it wasn't me, us. The power didn't come from us. And he explains it in verse 16. And 